Joining Brian and Brett now on Sports Time is National College football writer for CBS Sports, Memphis native and Tennessee grad, who you can find on Twitter X at David W. Cobb. It's David Cobb. Well, we gave away two pairs of tickets for the Tigers game this weekend against SMU. Thank you so much again to Sissy's Log Cabin. Thank you to everyone who called in. And don't worry if you weren't able. We were getting a ton of callers trying to get those tickets. Don't worry if you did not. If you weren't able to win them today, we're going to be giving out tickets all week long for that game on Saturday against SMU. So we'll have more opportunities. Uh, keep it tuned in here uh, to Sports 56 for those tickets later in the week. But now, join us. Talk college football and college basketball. Basketball from CBS Sports. David Cobb joins us now. David, thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, the first weekend for you uh, where we had full slate of college basketball, full slate of college football. Did you make it through the weekend all right? I made it through the weekend all right. Ooh. In fact, I had a uh, pre-planned uh, Sunday-Monday golf outing to kind of nice. commemorate the, the end of my social life for the next several months uh, because <laughs> You know how it is once we get into uh, the dual sports season here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like being a, a, an accountant during tax season, <laughs> and uh, you just got to kiss your, your loved ones goodbye. Mm-hmm. And a golf, golf is one of my loved ones. Uh, so, uh, yeah, thankfully I was off the last couple of days and, and didn't have to work all the, the madness of, of the uh, coaching carousel beginning. But, guys, it is starting to spin, uh, to say the least. David, we have a lot more fun than any CPA has. <laughs> <laughs> so true, Brett. That is so true. <laughs> All right, give me a score today. What'd you shoot? Well, uh, so we're doing the Sweetens Cove thing uh, uh-huh. down oh, here nice. in Chattanooga. Yeah. So uh, a buddy of mine, uh, both of us Memphis guys, we uh, we're doing match play, and uh, I started out okay, but. Um, yeah, it didn't. It didn't end well. I'll say that. <laughs> well, that's all right. His golf, his golf often yeah. can be described. It started out well, and it didn't end so well. Uh, David, uh, that, that's kind of Jimbo Fisher at Texas A and M. Well, you could say it didn't end well for him, but the, the man is sitting on seventy six million. That's true. So, How bad can you feel? Right. The, the timing of it is is fascinating, is it not? You put up fifty plus against an SEC <laughs> op- uh, opponent, and, and then you get flip. The following day, uh, that's that's comical. But the whole thing was from the start the contract that he was he was given, and and then the results that he proceeded to post with what a lot of people would argue might be one of the most talented programs in the country. Yeah. I mean, the o- the only season in which Texas A and M lost fewer than four games under Tech under uh, Jimbo Fisher uh, was the COVID year, and a lot of people are going to put an asterisk next to that one anyway sure. because of the uh, uh, just the peculiarness of that year so yeah what 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 a disaster for the aggies and it's a bad look for college sports too when we're talking about a 70 plus million dollar buyout um you know i mean it is what it is right like the aggies want to pay it and they're they're, the oil is up and then their boosters can afford it like that's great like good for them but uh yeah people looking at this uh who who don't like college sports who have an axe to grind with the uh, the finances of the industry Boy, that gives them something to, to uh, sink their teeth into because that is an exorbitant uh, amount of money to make the man go away. Yeah, and not one of them's paying one thin dime for it, nor anybody else that can't afford it. And all that I saw a thing today was how nice would it be if all that money went to pay, you know, the the, the general clientele faculty at Texas A and M. In in a perfect world, that would be a great idea. But you know what? Those people didn't donate to that fund. They donated to the twelfth man fund. That is an adjunct of athletics, purely, 
wholly, simply, is for is for sports. They know it when they give it. That's what they want to donate to. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the finances of college sports. Nobody's ever said it makes sense or that it's the uh, the most morally upstanding entity in the world. But uh, you know, look. I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, sports do way more good for universities than they do bad. Yeah. Uh, it's just for for the folks who who are looking for a reason uh, to dislike this industry. There, there, there it is. You know, uh, what, what can it we is. do? You know, what can we do in this era to make some of these coach contracts and the buyouts just a little bit, set a little bit easier in the stomach? I mean, one, one of my ideas is uh, we need to start writing clauses in their deals to where if you get fired, uh, 20% of your buyout goes into a, a collective or something. That mm-hmm. way, that way, like when, when Jimbo gets fired, yeah, okay, he's still doing fine, but. At least maybe in that scenario, the, the, the players would get a little bit of that, too. Um, I don't know that we'll ever get to that point. But, uh, yeah, wow, what a, what a, you know, and just bring, bringing it back to the field. I mean, where where does Texas A&M go from here? I mean, there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be no where, shortage of. Who, who, yeah. who, who, who would be your number one choice? Well, uh, I think they need a coach, not a recruiter. Because, sure, I mean, Jimbo recruited well. Yeah. And, and look what he did with it. Absolutely nothing. And in this era, I think the money that Texas A&M has takes care of the recruiting to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You could get a, a dud recruiter in there, but because your collective is in such great shape, you should still be able to sign a top 10 class, uh, even if you're not out there burning up the trail, just merely because of the finance. And so from there, you need somebody who can who can coach them up, who can get the most out of a, out of a roster. And so... You know, if, if they whiff on, on the big ones, right, like if they go after Urban and they go after Lane and, and it's a no, right, like, you know, why, why not a, a Jeff Trailer at UTSA mm. who's proven he can win, who's proven he can maximize Just a coach. Talent. Why, Just a good, solid not? coach. Yes, Chris Kleiman at Kansas State is another Willie one that comes Fritz. to mind. Well, absolutely. He was in the running for Georgia Tech last season. He mm-hmm. ultimately – Kind of turned that one down due to the fact that he wanted to see it through with with Tulane. Uh, I don't think that's the, the worst option. Is it the most attractive option? No. I think what maybe marries the the two ideas the the, the best would be Mike Elka at Duke. Right? He was the former Texas A and M defensive coordinator. He is shown to be a head coach who can do a lot with a little mm-hmm. at Duke, which is a, a difficult place to win. I, I think Elka would be a a really satisfactory hire. He's not going to um. He's not going to be a Dion. He's not going to be a Brian Kelly in terms of the, uh, you know, a Lincoln Riley in terms of the headlines. But uh, I think he would go to Texas A and M and consistently have them in the hunt, which is uh, something they fell well short of under Jimbo Fisher. Since 1998, two 10-win seasons. That's it at Texas A and M forever. They've casted about trying to find you know the the, the rainmaker, the, the 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 perfect coach, and you know really back to Coach Bryanton. That what what they're most famous for is Johnny Manziel and Bear damn near killing all of them. That's it. That's all A and M's ever done. Well, and, and and making the jump to the SEC and sort of getting out in front of Texas a little bit in that way. But you know that advantage, if you want to call it that, is is now dissolved with it Texas joining is. the SEC for 2024. And so, I mean, I'll give this to Texas A and M: the tradition, the passion, the support for a for as you mentioned, Brett, a team that. A program that has not had overwhelming national success in I mean, South Carolina teams, with a big fancy stadium. <laughs> well, well, right, but like, and in that state where there are so many other options, 
Texas, Texas Tech, mm-hmm. Baylor, TCU, Houston, the list goes on uh, in terms of schools in that state. For them to have the support, the resources, the backing, uh, the packed stadium that they do without the historical success is incredible. And so that should be attractive to a lot of coaches because, I mean, think about it. Uh, you can go to Texas A&M, have all the NIL resources, have carte blanche, a blank check to hire your staff, and uh, the chance to go and, and really compete in the best league in the country. So I don't really understand uh, what the drawback is to taking that job. You know, Maybe there's just something in the water that keeps you from winning at the highest level. But everything you need to, to be successful is there at Texas A&M. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on the other side of that game, we had another coach fired. Zach Arnett at Mississippi State gets fired this morning in what has been just really a uh, – a, an awful last 12 months on and off the field for Mississippi State and losing Mike Leach and then having to just m- put somebody at head coach and then this season hasn't been great. Well, what's next for Mississippi State? Who's a, a type of coach you think they go after? I would love to see Jamie Chadwell finally get the Ooh. chance at the, at the Power 5 level. I mean, I've kind of been banging that drum for a while. And, and the immediate response to the suggestion of Jamie Chadwell, be it today or be it a year ago or two years ago when he was at Coastal Carolina, is that, well, he's never done it at the Power 5 level, okay? Damn. Well, you know what? There's been a lot of coaches who had never done it at the Power 5 level until they were <laughs> given the chance to do it at the Power 5 level. I mean, one that comes to mind is, is Hugh Freeze, right? He's, he's coaching at Briarcrest. He's coaching at Lambeth. He's coaching... Finally, at Arkansas State, that's his big break, right? And uh, he's not even there all that long, and he finally gets a chance uh, to go do it at the power conference level, and he's very successful at Ole Miss. And um, you know what? Uh, where did he come from? Uh, he came from Liberty, and that's where uh, Jamie Chadwell is now. And the yeah. fact that, he, that Chadwell's now done it at Coastal and at Liberty, wh- wh- why not? It works. Clearly, it, it, it's translated from school to school, and uh, I, I think he's got a unique offensive system. Uh, and, and, and Mississippi State can't just play, roll it out there and play bully ball in this new look SEC. Like, they've got to have something that's difficult to prepare for, difficult to defend, and that's the type of system that Jamie Chadwell runs. And so, you know, I think he would be a slam dunk for, for the Bulldogs. David, how back is Tennessee? Well, they're not down, but I don't know if they're back. Uh, mm. uh, yeah, it's it's looking like 8-4, and... Four, and I think if you had said at the outset to Tennessee fans, after year three of the Josh, Josh Heupel era, uh, we'll, we'll be 8-4, and four, maybe 9-4 and four with a bowl win, I think most Tennessee fans would have been okay with that, considering the circumstances that Jeremy Pruitt left behind. With the sanctions, with the poor performance on the field, they would have said, okay, yeah, we, we can deal with 8-4, and 9-4, worst case, 8-5 and five, uh, in year three under Josh Heupel. Now, Next year, the pressure's on a little bit. Uh, if you regress again and you have a, a second consecutive year of diminishing returns, then I think the, the natives get real restless. But, uh, you know, as, as of this moment, uh, I still think when you, when you factor in the results of last season for Tennessee and you look ahead to a future with Nico at quarterback, uh, I think there's still reason for optimism. Yeah. 
Well, David, I was really impressed with what Georgia did Saturday night against Ole Miss. I think uh, I certainly thought uh, Ole Miss could cover that 10.5 and, and it even got up to 11.5. I know a lot of um, people we had on the show last week and, and people that I heard um, both here locally and nationally thought Ole Miss could cover that 10.5. But Georgia, really, it almost seems like they have something to prove not being uh, number one in the college football playoff rankings. What did you think of the, the performance for Georgia on Saturday? Pretty impressive. Uh, Ole Miss was able to move the football on them initially. What Ole Miss needed in that game was a special teams break, a couple of turnovers, just things that that Georgia was not going to relinquish. And what impresses me the most about Georgia is I I think this might be their best offense of the past three seasons. Uh, The the last two national title teams, they were defensive juggernauts. This defense at Georgia is still really good. It's not as good, though, as their last two. But where they make up for it is with the multifaceted offensive attack. I mean, Carson Beck is absolutely hitting his stride. The running game is starting to improve. And they've just got such a deep well of weapons now that Brock Bowers is back uh, on the front end of that injury timeline. That's huge. Lad McConkey is starting to look like the player he's been over the past couple of seasons. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, we got uh, Rose Jack Jacksons, and we got uh, Rob Rod Thomas and, and Dominic Lovett, and our backup tight end, Oscar Delp, would be a starter for 95% of teams around the country. So that's, that's what stands out to me about Georgia is the multifaceted, dynamic offense and the way that that group is starting to hit it. Yeah. Talking to David Cobb from CBS Sports. He joins us every week to talk college football and now with the season underway, college basketball. Well, let's talk some basketball. David, uh, and here locally, a lot of people excited after what the Tigers did up in Missouri against the Missouri Tigers Friday night. What did you make of that performance down in the first half? Really looked like uh, they couldn't get much going early in the game. Missouri, a sold out crowd, um, was really feeding off the energy, but the Tigers, uh, the Memphis Tigers, that is really turn it around in the second half and get a, a massive win on the road. What would you make of that? Yeah, super impressive. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think over the last uh, you know 25 minutes or, or so, roughly, Memphis outscores Missouri like 55 hmm. to 29, yeah. something along those lines. That's incredible. I mean, Missouri is a NCAA tournament team from a year ago. You're at their place. Uh, you've got a bunch of guys at Memphis that haven't played a ton together, and they fall behind by double digits. And where do you go from there? Well, they gave an incredibly impressive response to the degree that, okay, so I'm doing power rankings this year for for CBS Sports. And a lot of teams at this point in the basketball season have not played anyone. Mm -hmm. Well, Memphis is among the few that have. And Mm -hmm. it was a very successful result. And so when I go to do that power ranking, based off what we've seen from Memphis so far, small sample size, like I don't know how you keep them out of the the top 10 or or top 15 maybe. Uh, So that was an incredibly impressive performance uh, on the road against a really solid Missouri program. That Yeah, they lost some guys from last year, but Missouri still has some really good veteran guards, uh, the type of players that you want in games like that. And, and Memphis just went in there and, and, and kind of dominated them and had their way. So, great start. By the way, without their head coach. Yeah. I think we maybe over, overvalue head coaches. Uh, Michigan <laughs> goes and, and does it against Penn State without its head coach, and, and Memphis did the exact same thing against Missouri on the hardwood. So, uh, yeah, that was a great, great start to the to the year for the Tigers. Yeah. And for the Memphis Tigers Friday night at home against Alabama State. And then to that, since we've known it for about two years, they were going uh, to to the Bahamas, to, to Atlantis to play in that tournament. It, 
it, it will be it will be some kind of daytime viewing n- next week. Yeah, it's it's a great time of year in, in college basketball when we actually start to see these teams play quality opponents, and then you, you begin to get a read. And Memphis has a leg up in that field because they already played a game away from home against a good opponent, and they're going to be riding in with some confidence because of their results in that in that setting. And so, yeah. Uh, it's great. It's all still so important, though. Memphis cannot, for one single second, rest on its laurels because, as we've covered multiple times, the AAC is going to be a bit diminished without mm-hmm. Houston, and that just places an even greater premium on these non-conference uh, tournaments and these non-conference games. And so, yeah, good start, but but don't for a second uh, sit and enjoy it because the moment you do, uh, the chances to build your resume start to slip. Any way the AAC could could have three teams in the tournament? Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, if if UAB, I mean UAB just beat Maryland on a neutral, but lost to Bradley opening night. Yeah, yeah. I mean Missouri Valley lost. I mean hopefully it's not terrible. Doesn't yeah. Hopefully it doesn't kill you. It's possible. I mean FAU is is going to be close. I mean they're going to have to do a lot of work in the non con, just like Memphis. I wouldn't say it's likely that the AAC gets three teams into the big dance. Uh, not impossible, though. Uh, part of that depends on how quickly North Texas can, can kind of rebound following the loss of, of Grant McCaslin to Texas Tech. Um, but it, it's within the realm of possibility. At the end of the day, though, the last thing you want to be is a one-bid league. And I think yeah. what we've seen so far from Memphis and FAU suggests that there will be more than one team at the end of this season going to the dance from the, from the AAC. Mm-hmm. Well, earlier in the, in the evening, Friday night before Memphis and Missouri, we got Arizona and Duke, uh, what was a really fun game in Cameron Indoor. Uh, Arizona wins the game by, I think, five. I think they won by five, that final score. Um, and now they're up to number three in the AP polls. But I thought Duke played really well as well. It was just a great game all around. How good can both Arizona and Duke be this season? Well, I've got Arizona going to the Final Four. <laughs> I love to hear so, that. So I was given a little quiet fist pump under the table watching <laughs> that game the other night. Uh, they made me look smart, whereas Michigan State, also one of my Final Four picks, mm. has, has kind of done the opposite, losing at home to James Madison uh, on opening night. But, uh, yeah, Arizona's got everything that it needs. I don't know that it's a particularly deep team, uh, but it is a talented team, and you know, Caleb Love, I think, has a chance to shine in that system. I mean, you might remember him from the, the Final Four run at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he's a not the most efficient offensive player in the world, <laughs> but, uh, man, he, um, he he loves to shoot. He loves to, to score. Arizona's a great system to be in when that's the kind of player you are. And so maybe he finds his second win. Maybe Arizona uh, really benefits from his addition. But uh, to go into Cameron Indoor and, and win in November, that is – Incredibly rare. Um, that doesn't happen often, and so that's the type of the win that's going to stand up, and the type of win that even if Arizona ends up on Selection Sunday with six or seven losses, heaven forbid, uh, they could still find themselves on the one line because of the fact that hey, all the way back in November when none of y'all were even paying attention yet, uh, they went into uh, Durham or and uh, and beat Duke on the road, and then so that's a, a monumental victory for Tommy Lloyd and his crew. David, back to college football. Do you think, in all the Jim Harbaugh stuff, do you think there's anything out there that we don't know about? Does, are, are they sitting on a smoking gun, or have we exhausted everything that can be said about it? I, I still think there's more that could come out. I mean, I don't know that the NCAA is even close to wrapping up their investigation. You know, they say they're going to expedite the process. 
what does that even mean with the NCAA when they're so often taking many, many years to, to do investigations? Is an expedited investigation just one year, just 18 months for, for the NCAA? And if so, there's still a lot more that could come out over that time because you know how quick, uh, one, uh, opponents will be to tattle on Michigan if they have any mm-hmm. intel whatsoever that could be of use in that investigation. And two, does Connor Stallions, Mr. Michigan Manifesto, uh, does he remain loyal to the Wolverines amid a situation where he's just completely be- become the sacrificial lamb um, and had his reputation and his ability to make lo- a livelihood in the game of football eradicated by all this? Does he remain loyal to Michigan, or does he start to um, show where the bodies are buried, I guess? Um, that's, I think, kind of the biggest unknown in all of this is whether or not Stallions decides to cooperate with whatever investigations uh, may occur. Yeah, uh, we might just be getting uh, getting started with the uh, how complex this really could become for Michigan yep. and everyone involved. But, David, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll do it again next week. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, guys. Thanks, David. Thank, thank you, David. So so right now with, with Harbaugh, I, I don't see him at all as a sympathetic figure. Hmm, no. Uh, it's almost impossible to. There, there's not many sympathetic figures in this, but I want to know who paid for the original investigation. I do think that matters. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, and and you know who knows if we'll ever if we'll ever find out that. But um, it's you know like David said, who knows where this could go? I mean, it could get pretty ugly if if things go kind of the way that they could go. So he's already missed four Michigan football games this year. Three over cheeseburgers, mm-hmm. one over filming. Yep, yep. I mean, shout out to the to the NCAA and the and the Big Ten for wanting to keep a, a really good coach in their sport. I guess if if they really wanted some teeth in this, why didn't they put him out for the rest of the year? That's a good question. I don't know. But because they want like they- because the Big Ten wants a national championship, and Michigan right now is, might be the the best option they have. Yeah, it, it it could be, but I it, I still think it's a lot about nothing. I, I do too. But to see some of the Michigan loyalists that have been so headstrong in other cases, like Desmond yeah. Howard, who wanted Nebraska football shut down, kicked out of the Big Ten conference mm-hmm. because they wanted to play football in twenty twenty. Yep. Well, and, and also another thing in, in all of this is when it came down on Friday, I mean, Michigan was in the air on a plane traveling to Penn State when they finally announced, oh, yeah, you're, you're going to be suspended for, for three games. I mean, it was very poor I mean, timing, I Desmond thought. Howard, such a hypocrite, wanted Nebraska kicked out of the uh-huh. Big Ten. Zero due process. <laughs> no, 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 no evidence, no, no nothing over wanting to yep. play football when, again, there was just as many medical professionals, yep. medical experts saying play is don't play. Mm-hmm. But but at that time, one of the biggest medical experts was the Michigan uh, doctor at the Michigan Med School that was the consultant to the Big Ten commissioner saying don't play. So oh, Dez falls lockstep behind. Look, Desmond Howard, what he – Great player, mm-hmm. great player. Oh yeah. Uh, I I I think super average on game day adds <laughs> nothing in my opinion. Just just say I, I I'm a partisan hack. <laughs> that'd be that'd be that'd be better. That'd be a step it, in the right it, direction. It, it would it, it'd be a lot easier because everybody yeah. watching 
knows that it is. Everybody also knows this. The to-do list for the holidays, they're being made out now, and you're going to want to write this down. Go to All-Star Chevy and Olive Branch, first exit into Mississippi at Kraft Goodman Road, down Highway 78, where the new Silverados all have red tags on them. Kevin and Jeff, they, they said that they'll get you financing this low, 1.9 or 2,000 cash back. You could get one of the new Equinox for financing as low as 1.9 or $1,000 in cash back. Your good credit deserves it. The holiday season, you deserve it. In Olive Branch, you'll find those at All-Star, and they have any new Chevy you can imagine. Tahoes, Trailblazers, a lot of families I know love the Traverse with all the cargo space and that third-row seat. So you can do more together this holiday season. Over the hills and through the woods we go. Military, teachers, college students, health care workers, you get a $500 bonus. If you want a certified pre-owned Chevy or any pre-owned All-Star, they have a full lot. Silverados, Ram trucks, Alexis, the Nissan Rogue, Hondas, Suburbans, Jeeps, they've got them. If it's not there, ask Jeff or Kevin and they'll find it for you. They want me to thank all of you who brought their cars, their trucks to All-Star to sell. You'll get a big check today for great cash. Remember, it's not South Haven, not Mount Moriah or Bartlett or Collierville. It's got to be Olive Branch. Find new roads to All-Star Chevy today or go to allstarautogroup.com. Well, let's grab a quick break. When we come back, it'll be time for our Sissy's Log Cabin. Look back at the weekend in the SEC. Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ. Five, four, three, two, one. Time for a look back at the weekend in the SEC. Brought to you by Sissy's Log Cabin, the official jeweler of the Memphis Grizzlies with 9,000 square foot in Laurelwood. Let's go inside the SEC with Bryant, Brett, and Jay Morgan. Chad Kelly in the gun formation. Third and inches for Ole Miss. Carlton will kick it. It is on the way and it is up. But Baloo looking at it, going to pitch it to Herschel Walker, try to get him outside. He's going to get five. The snap is high. Kelly grabs it, wants to throw, fires it up in the air. Treadwell can't get it. It is good! Oh, my! Get a deflection, is caught! Deflection is caught! And down the sidelines is Adeboyjo. He's to the end zone. He's in there. Touchdown, Ole Miss. He's got 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. He needs a block. There goes Herschel. There goes Herschel. And you can wrap this one in maroon and white, my friends. Arkansas is headed to Atlanta. The national champion is clad in get big on. orange. And we are ready for Sissy's Log Cabin. Look back at the weekend. In the SEC, supporter of Tiger Athletics and official jeweler of the Memphis Grizzlies, we gave away tickets in the last hour for Tigers SMU coming up this Saturday. We have a lot more. We'll give away a pair Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We'll have tickets for Friday night for Tigers against Alabama State and a special winner for Wednesday night, I think Wednesday night, January 3rd. Let me make sure that date's right for the Grizzlies. On Wednesday, January 3rd, that's correct, mm. against Toronto. Ooh. Feet on the wood. Ooh. Brian and I are going to we're gonna have feet on the wood for on, on the 29th and tell everybody about it. I'm, I'm sorry, on the 29th of November, coming up against All Utah. Right. 
That's two weeks from Wednesday. And then on January 3rd, we'll have a big winner for that. We're going to do that a couple more times. Compliments of Sissy's Log Cabin, the official jeweler of the Grizzlies, that new location coming soon, 4542 Popper, Bill Jones and his great team. They're here to stay. All these tickets, everything they do around the community is for a reason. Some blow in overnight, then gone, not Sissy's Log Cabin. They're a part of the fabric of the community, supporter of Tigers Athletics and sponsor of our Look back at the weekend, the SEC, every Monday that we've had since football season, and we'll go into January. We might we might repackage it a little bit as the NFL weekend as we get into January, and the SEC is over. Mid-South's largest selection of one-of-a-kind jewelry, engagement rings, necklaces, earrings, wedding bands, everything to make the holidays so festive for that loved one, that special one in your life. 9,000-square-foot store opening soon in Laurelwood with expanded lines for Rolex, Cartier, Diamonds, and more. Since 1970, six great locations across Arkansas and Tennessee. They offer a selection of diamonds, estate jewelry, and fine gifts. Official jeweler for the Memphis Grizzlies and FedEx Forum with the floor seat lounge, and you can go back to the Sissy's Log Cabin Lounge at FedEx Forum and have a great time at anything going on at FedEx Forum. Unsurpassed value, exceptional service, expansive selection, and an extraordinary shopping experience because life is too short for ordinary jewelry. Saturday, SEC got started early with Alabama going up to Lexington, Kentucky having only won twice ever in that series. They didn't make it three times. Alabama 49-21. Jalen Milrow responsible for six touchdowns, three rushing, three passing. Is he a late surging Heisman Trophy candidate? (laughs) Or is that too heat of the moment? It's too uh, heat of the moment. It? It's probably too heated at the moment. But I mean, he has been a big time player for this Alabama team. I mean, you go back to some of these games. This game, the the win against LSU. I mean, he has been He's a the massive difference. factor. He is the difference, and and I think it's taken. So him what is the Heisman? The best player, best <laughs> player on the best team. What what is it? Well, I mean that's a that's a that's a good question. I mean, I had a I had a buddy that I was talking to over the weekend and said. Uh, well, you know, it's, I forgot who he was talking about. He goes, oh, it's too bad that, you know, so-and-so can't win it because their team's not undefeated, you know? And so it, it seems like Jaden Daniels. Yeah, Jaden Daniels would, would fit that mold. And so it's, I mean, that it seems like the Heisman voters have, uh, you know, kind of said, hey, you got to be, your, your team's got to be really good. You've got to be really good. you got to be a difference maker on that team. And All right, that's Bo Nix then. It's, it seems like it. I mean, it, But Caleb Williams may be the best player still. Right. But he's not going exactly. back-to-back. Yeah, and I, do, and, and I do think there was a subconscious aversion, maybe conscious by some, yeah. but a subconscious aversion to just anybody join, joining Archie, Archie right. Griffin. Bama with uh, the young playmakers all, all over everywhere. Oh, yeah. They're really playing better. 444 yards total offense. Uh, uh, two turnovers for Alabama, though, two for Kentucky. Ray Davis only 26 yards rushing. Next week, Bama at home against Tennessee Chattanooga and Cupcake Saturday across the SEC, and I think it is disgraceful. Kentucky at South Carolina. South Carolina, they won 47-6 to over Vandy. Spencer hmm. Rattler, 351, three touchdowns. Uh, Xavier Leggett, nine catches, 120 yards receiving. Vandy, only 130 yards rushing, 104 yards passing. At least you can say it was balanced. It was a game. I mean, it was it was ugly. It was raining. It was it was just Vanderbilt couldn't do anything. I mean, Ken Seals only throws for a hundred and four yards on the other side. Spencer Rattler was really the the difference uh, maker. Mario Anderson adds one hundred and two yards. I mean, Brad, this was a this was a hard game to uh, to watch on Saturday. It was it was pretty ugly. 
only two Vanderbilt penalties. Vanderbilt open on. Only Vandy takes the open date That's right. uh, this late in the year. <laughs> South Carolina home against Kentucky. Mizzou. Wow. 36-7 to over Tennessee at home in Columbia. How back is Tennessee? I asked that to David Cobb. I don't know if you can make a, a, a strong case of them no. being back. They're improving. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's going the right way, but. I'm not as sure they're back as I was when they were leaving uh, Miami after the Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. Joe Milton, he was he was okay. Yeah. Tennessee, three turnovers, nine penalties, and Mizzou much more physical. They really yes. they really moved Tennessee around. Tennessee, the running back leading rusher, hmm. the running back. Now, Joe Milton had more, sure. but a running back, 22 yards, 255 yards rushing from Mizzou, 83 for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, this was incredible. Missouri's defense, like you just said, only 83 rushing yards from Tennessee, and 36 of those came from Joe Milton, the quarterback. But offensively, uh, what Cody Schrader did was unbelievable. Luther Burden played, but he was clearly not 100%. Cody Schrader said, hey, let me take over in this offense. 205 yards on the ground and a touchdown, 116 yards on five receptions through the air. So, I mean, this was an unbelievable game. I thought Missouri had a really good chance to, uh, to stay in this game and maybe even win it. I didn't think they would do it like this. I didn't expect them to blow Tennessee out and not even give Tennessee an, an opportunity in the fourth quarter to keep it close. Tennessee this week at home at Neyland Stadium against number one Georgia. Mizzou at home against the Gators. I saw Eli Drinkwitz this morning. He said he wanted it to be about 20 degrees and sleeting for the Florida <laughs> Gators. Auburn goes to Fayetteville and wins 48-10 to over the Razorbacks back-to-back mm-hmm. years for Hugh Freeze to win at Razorback Stadium last year with Liberty this year with his Auburn Tigers that he now has eligible for a bowl. Auburn held Arkansas to a total of 255 yards, 354 Ooh. rushing for Auburn. Jarquez Hunter again, 16 carries, 109 yards. Hugh Freeze has gotten the best football in Jarquez's Hunter career out of him. He, he, he really has. And, and uh, incredible last really couple of games for him uh, in that Auburn uniform. And, uh, I mean, 354 rushing yards in, in an SEC that's game. That's making is, you eat it. I mean, that's incredible. And so, I, you know, we talked to Ty Richardson on, on, on Friday um, while you were out, Brett, and, and I asked him, you know, is there any excitement? You know, you, you get this, you know, you've promoted within to an interim offensive coordinator, and, you know, you go down to Florida and you get a win. Is there excitement? What can this offense be going forward with a couple of games left? And, Really couldn't get anything going on Saturday against Auburn. I think, you know, me and Ty talked about this as well on Friday. I mean, against Auburn, this was probably your best opportunity to get a win against Auburn because you got to think that Auburn team, this is going to be the worst they're going to be. I mean, they're just going to improve year after year. And for Arkansas going in the opposite direction, um, just really a disappointing performance, I thought, by Arkansas. But, I mean, again, going back to that 354 yards rushing, only 163 yards through the air. They didn't need anything through the air because they were getting everything they wanted Auburn was on the ground. Auburn at home this week on the Plains against New Mexico State. Arkansas at home in Fayetteville against Florida International. And if you ever wanted to set on the 50 at a Razorback <laughs> game, this Saturday is your opportunity. Georgia 52-17 over Ole Miss, and it wasn't that close. No. All dogs. Brock Bowers returns. Carson Beck rock solid. Lad McConkey can play for anyone, mm-hmm. as good a route runner as I've ever seen in real time. Four touchdowns. Uh, on their first four possessions, and and nobody's defeated a Lane Kiffin team like that at Ole Miss 
Georgia put it on Ole Miss, 611 total yards, 300 rushing, 311 passing. Carson Beck, 306, two touchdowns. And Jackson Dart, no time in just a, mm-hmm. a very meager performance. Yeah, no, it was all dogs on Saturday night. I didn't really expect it. And, um, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for me is looking down at those top three uh, receivers. Lab McConkey with a long of 41. Dominic Lovett with a long of 43. Ra Ra Lovett, it was at Mizzou last year. That's, that's right. Uh, Ra Ra Thomas with a long of 44. It was 44. at State last year. That was at State. That's right. And so, I mean, just what Carson Beck was able to do and what this offense was able to do with the impressive. long ball, it, it really was impressive. A, a Really impressive performance by Georgia. They, they spanked Ole Miss. Ole Miss this week, 11 o'clock against ULM in Oxford. Georgia on the road at Tennessee. LSU 52-35 over Florida. 606 total yards for Jaden Daniels. I will tell you right now, if I had to vote right now for the Heisman Trophy, I would vote for Jaden Daniels. Wow. I think he is the best player in college football. He just doesn't play defense. That's not his fault. <laughs> not his fault at all. Uh, First FBS quarterback in history to go for over 350 passing, over 200 rushing, 372 exact passing, 234 rushing. Brian Thomas, two TDs receiving. Graham Mertz wasn't bad for Florida on the other side. 311, a touchdown. Ricky Pierce saw big-time receiver for the Gators. Seven catches, 103 yards. But what Jaden Daniels has done, and when I left Oxford that night, I thought I've seen special, special quarterback that's in a Heisman class like Cam, mm-hmm. like uh, Johnny Manziel, yeah. like Bryce Young. Uh, one more in there in, in the in the Ole Miss years for me that was that special. Daniels is in that league. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he is incredible. And, and you really look at uh, at that offensive line play on, uh, on Saturday for LSU. I thought it was really, really good. It didn't um, let Florida's defensive line really get anything going. Only two sacks for Florida's defense, only three tackles for a loss. Joe really Burrow protected. is who I was but, forgetting. Yeah, that's, a, that's another <laughs> really good one. Um, but, you know, able to pr- protect Jaden Daniels and give him that time in the pocket to be able to throw for so many yards and, and get out and run for so many yards. It was a, it was an impressive performance all around for L- LSU. Last game, and we know the repercussions oh, from this man. game. It was A and M fifty-one to ten on Saturday night. Everything felt pretty good, didn't it? Over Mississippi State, and then both coaches fired one yeah. Saturday or one Sunday, one Monday. Jalen Henderson accounted for four touchdowns, had a good game. Mm-hmm. State's got to get Will Rogers back to have yeah. a chance in the Egg Bowl for it to end uh, a good year for them. State at home this week. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, this week for LSU. They are at home against Georgia State. Florida's at Mizzou this week for Mississippi State at home against Southern Miss and A&M at home against Abilene Christians and the Lions. Yeah, yeah, this was uh, all Texas A&M in this one. Didn't think both coaches um, would be uh, shown the door after this one, but you're right. I mean, Will Rogers not being in that offense for Mississippi State, it really ruins this offense. I really like Mike Wright. I like what he was able to do last year at Vanderbilt, but he, he really is struggling in this offense. That's our look back at the weekend from the SEC, brought to you by Sissy's Log Cabin, the official jeweler of the Memphis Grizzlies and the Memphis Tigers, and a sponsor of our 430 look back at the weekend in the SEC. Let's go ahead and grab a break. When we come back, it'll be time for Big Number of the Day. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus.
Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. Well, Brett, I have a couple of big numbers today after uh, a weekend of sports, but I'll start off uh, with my big number that comes from uh, a performance yesterday, another outstanding performance from C.J. Stroud. This big number is 10. After that win... O-H! I-O! After that win uh, against the Bengals yesterday, an outstanding win, uh, C.J. Stroud is now top 10 in the NFL in passing yards, touchdowns, and QBR, and has only thrown two interceptions this season. Brett, I think you were ahead of a lot of people last week when you asked a real question to Beau Marchant. Could he be just in the MVP conversation? Not just Roy, but yeah. MVP. And I will just to show you how big a person I am. Okay. I will forgive the texter that said I was a nut for suggesting that. <laughs> well, hey, that's just very to big show you how big a person I am. Big. I will forgive on that. That's that's very big of you, Brad. Because now that conversation is going around. It really is. If somehow he got them to ten wins, that would win that division easily. He he's legitimately in MVP conversation. Yeah, I think you're rookie right. of the year. You don't even send out the ballots, which nobody's mailing anything anymore anyway. But. <laughs> Emailing, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I may be the last person that mails, that that right, mails might anything. Be. You might be. Brian, I'm, I'm not disappointed in you, but I'm a little surprised. Why is that? I thought your big number would be that low point total Mizzou had in that second half. Oh, man, it should have been. That was incredible. I mean, uh, what was it, 22 points in the second half for Missouri? Brian, that, that, that was that, that, that hangs in Tiger basketball Louvre. Oh, yeah. Especially uh, after trailing in the first half. And a lot of people thinking, okay, yeah, it's first game, first road game. It's tough. You know, whatever. Why, why and it wasn't one Mizzou off? just missing a shot. It mm-hmm. was it was, it was belly button to yes. belly button. Jimmy, one of Jimmy Dox's favorite terms, and he learned it playing for Eddie Sutton. And he would he was saying that. And do, do you think that announcer got a call from – Mizzou basketball offices, or I think somebody, and maybe not him, but I'm sure somebody at ESPN got or SEC Network got a. Phone I laughed call out and, loud uh, when I heard him say it. Uh huh. Yeah. Someone, but it was true. They were clowning. Isn't them. this supposed to be the SEC Network? What are we? What are we doing? Saying an opposing team not in the conference is clowning Missouri. But truth hurts if it they, makes you mad. They were. I mean, it wasn't a lie. Yeah. They were clowning them. And and good enough for Mizzou with the whole football stuff. Yeah. Tigers got a good laugh at their expense Friday night. My big number is 91. That's the number of wins for Kirby Smart at Georgia. I saw his first bowl win here in Memphis in 2016 at the end of his first season over TCU. I saw his game, that thrilling game, at the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma. But Saturday night was the first time I have got to see him in the heart of this Big D dynasty, Mm. and it is something to see. And right now, I don't see any reason why they can't three-peat. And yeah. if he three-peats, then the off-season discussion will be this in the SEC world. That will put him in the Big Four, mm-hmm. in the Mount Rushmore of yep. all time. Exactly where? One, Coach Nick Saban. Two, Coach Paul Bear Bryant. I say if he wins it all, and especially another undefeated. Oh, yeah. Another undefeated. And he can win it even with a loss. Mm-hmm. But another undefeated. He, he's firmly three. I think four for me is Urban. Most people have Spurrier. 
Two beats one. I've tried to explain that to them. Maybe they didn't take math, but <laughs> whatever. And I, I know Spurrier is yeah. just loved by all the, the sports writers because oh, yeah. he drank beer with them and cut jokes with uh-huh. them. And Urban to- told them all to go to hell. <laughs> that is that is another true statement. Right? You were bringing the true statements today during, uh, during Big Number. I have one more big number very quickly. Zero. Very small number, I guess, if you're, uh, if you're looking at it like that. But zero, that's how many points Rutgers put up on Saturday against Iowa. We got the under. Anybody under 27.5 got there on Saturday. But uh, two more numbers that stick out to me from that game that go along with zero. Uh, Total yards for Rutgers, 127. Brett, total punting yards, 319. Wow. Almost doubled their, their total yards in punting yards on Saturday. I, real quick, I don't even know his name, but you know somebody that should merit some Coach of the Year vote? The interim at no- Northwestern. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're not nearly as bad as, as people thought they would be. I thought 0-12. I did, too. And I thought it would be easy 0-12. But they, uh, you're right. They've done a, a good job. But uh, that is uh, our big numbers for today. Let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we'll talk Grizzlies basketball with DeMichael Cole. <laughs> 